You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast at savage.love. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, I did not think it could be done, not with satellite technology, not with night vision goggles, not with genetic testing. I did not think it was possible to locate a group of people for whom I could feel more contempt and less sympathy than I did for anti-vaxxers who got COVID and died or never-never Trumpers who looked at January 6th and thought, let's have four more years of that, or people who sit next to me on airplanes and try to strike up conversations. Actually, in all honesty, I do feel some small degree of sympathy for people who get stuck sitting next to me on airplanes, but dead anti-vaxxers, live never-never Trumpers, only contempt, no sympathy. But Hemant Mehta might have done it. He found a group of people that I could and did, at least for a minute, hold in more contempt and feel less sympathy for than dead anti-vaxxers or live never-never Trumpers. I don't check in often on Religion News Service, America's leading provider of news about faith since 1934, but Meta, aka the friendly atheist, he does. He reads Religion News Service, so I don't have to. And earlier this month on Only Sky, a secular humanist news site I do read, Meta highlighted a piece by Riley Farrell at RNS about evangelical Christian furries who are afraid of being outed, not to their evangelical Christian friends as furries, but to their furry friends as anti-gay evangelical Christians. Riley writes at RNS, Christian furries interviewed for this story, including leaders of the group that calls itself the Christian Furry Fellowship, asked to be anonymous, fearing, quote, doxing from within the largely secular furry community for their Christian identity. My furry friendships are a blessing, said one CFF organizer that Riley spoke with. Somebody with a red fox fursona who asked to be called F, and F wants to bring knowledge of the Lord, Riley writes, to furry fandom. First, is there anyone on earth who does not have at least a passing familiarity with this Jesus person we've heard so very much about for 2,000 fucking years? And is there any place we can go where a certain kind of religious person, not all of you religious people, I'm talking about a certain type, you know the type I'm talking about, the type of Christian who gets up on airplanes and preaches. Is there any place we can go where that kind of God-bothering religious creep doesn't feel entitled to pester other people about their imaginary friends, not even furry conventions? And second, reading this piece, we're supposed to feel sorry for evangelical furries who live in fear of being judged and shamed and rejected and on account of those fears have to hide who they are? Imagine that. Imagine having to hide who you are from the people in your life who feel like family because they wouldn't understand, because they would judge you or throw you out or disown you or discard you. Why, that sounds almost as painful as being a gay or lesbian or bi or trans kid growing up in an evangelical family. If I may address the self-pitying members of the Christian Furry Fellowship, 
which again is an actual organization with an actual website, furryfellowship.org. That is again the organization dedicated to evangelizing the furry community and converting other furries to evangelical Christianity and I guess turning okay with gay furries and okay being gay furries into anti-gay furries and self-hating gay furries. Listen, you fur-suited shits, you hairy turds, do you realize that the current sex panic your fellow right-wing evangelicals are stirring up, all this shit about groomers? They're not just whipping up the rubes and the haters with bullshit about gay people and trans people. They're coming for your hairy asses too. Right-wing lunatics with power, elected officials, keep bringing up schools that aren't real where teachers that they made up are putting litter boxes in classrooms that don't exist so children who aren't real, who identify as cats, can go to the toilet in those imaginary litter boxes. I am not making this up. Nancy, roll the tape. I'm a little shocked, I guess is what I would put it. It's called something called furries. If you don't know what furries are, it's where school children dress up as animals, cats or dogs, during the school day. They meow and they bark, and they interact with their school, with the teachers in that in this fashion. And now schools are wanting to put litter boxes in the schools for these children to use. How is this sanitary? That's not some lunatic shouting on a street corner. That is an elected Republican official in the state of Nebraska, State Senator Bruce Bosselman, during a televised debate in the Nebraska State Senate about school funding earlier this year. And it's working. The Daily Beast reports that parents have been showing up at school board meetings across the country all year long in a white-hot panic about furries in schools grooming their kids. Look, evangelical furries, you have a problem, and it's not the gays. People who hate gays and lesbians, they think you're a bunch of perverts too. And unlike me, they use pervert as an insult. Look, I get the impulse. You want them, your fellow evangelical conservative Republican Christians, you want them to make an exception for you. You're like swingers in red states with Trump flags on their golf carts or log cabin Republicans who think wearing a tie and voting for the same assholes mommy and daddy do will persuade people to overlook cocksucking when they do it. They're not going to make an exception for log cabin cocksuckers, and they're not going to make an exception for you, Jesus furries. Recognize who your real enemies are. They're not gays in fursuits at the cons. They're assholes sitting next to you in the pews. All right, we usually end the show with some listener tweets, but I wanted to drop this short thread posted to Twitter by a Lovecast listener here at the top of the show. Friend of DeSoto tweets, responding to the trilingual woman on the podcast, you gave our country, the United States, some well-deserved side-eye about how monolingual we are compared to other countries. Just want to point out that what I said, he's quoting me here, very few Americans speak another language besides English isn't accurate, Dan. 13% of our population, more than one in eight Americans speak Spanish. That's not very few. It's over 40 million people. And overall, one in five of us are multilingual. Let's not downplay our diversity. Diversity, the performatively aggrieved Karens and Brads out there would fully erase if they could. 
That is a great point, friend of DeSoto. We have a lot more linguistic diversity in the United States than I made it sound like in that uh, response to that woman who was feeling self-conscious about doing dirty talk in her mother tongue. And listening to those responses to that particular caller's concerns made us think about how much we kind of wanted to hear some dirty talk in languages other than English. So if you speak a language in addition to English, record yourself doing 10 to 30 seconds of dirty talk for us. Let us hear it in your native language. We'll share the best, dirtiest, and sexiest sounding clips on an upcoming episode of the Savage Lovecast. Use that voice memo app on your phone and email us your dirty talk at voicemail at savagelovecast.com. And some good news on the monkeypox front. While it's still spreading, we have a better handle on how it's spread sexually, almost exclusively. And it's almost exclusively appearing in men who have sex with men, more than 96% of cases. It's not spreading, we now know, through casual contact, not spreading via surfaces, not spreading from people brushing up against each other in bars or clubs or breathing on each other, which means, my fellow gays, going to events, going out to the bars, keeping your clothes on, it's safe. I skipped some events earlier this summer myself to be on the safe side, but now, knowing what we know now, I'm going to be going to a big gay street party in a few weeks. We can gather safely, and as more of us get vaccinated, we'll be able to play again safely too. All right, coming up on the micro, Savage Lovecast, tons of your cues, lots of my A's, and on the Magnum Savage Lovecast, which you can subscribe to at savage.love, Catherine D., a thought leader in the sex negativity movement, joins me for a hyper-polite conversation. And giving up porn for a partner is one thing, but giving up porn for a partner who thinks anything can be porn, that's another thing altogether. Read all about it this week in Savage Love, which you can find at savage.love slash savage love. All right, let's get to the show. This episode is brought to you by DoorDash. Right now, my listeners get 50% off your first order of up to $15 value. Use promo code SAVAGE at checkout when you spend $12 or more. Terms apply. This episode of The Lovecast is brought to you by the good folks at Squarespace. They make it easy to build a beautiful website, blog, or online store. Head on over to squarespace.com savage for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SAVAGE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode is brought to you by Helix Sleep, the best mattress for your individualized comfort. Right now, my listeners get up to $200 off all mattress orders at helixsleep.com slash savage. Hi, Dan. I'm a 20-year-old lesbian. I've been with my girlfriend for two years. We've lived together for one year. The other day, she basically came in to the room and said that she had reread like a super old sexting conversation she had with somebody and that Apparently, two years ago, we'd had a conversation about that kind of situation, and I had said that was basically cheating. I don't remember this conversation, but that sounds like something I would have said two years ago. Um, we haven't talked about it since, and I was kind of like, well, you know, now that I think about it, I'm, I feel a little weird about it, but I, I guess it's not so different from you just thinking about a previous experience. And I mean, she wasn't, you know, jerking off or anything and reading it. She was like, kind of read it and was kind of missing that part of her past. Um, and then she said, you know, she didn't know really if monogamy was something she wanted to do forever, but that seemed like that was, she would have to be monogamous to be with me. There's also a conversation we've had a while ago and I said, well, you know, 
I, I think at this point um, where I'm at right now is I'm okay with you having sex with other people, but not like having a whole other girlfriend. And this kind of surprised her and we kind of left it back. And then I went to go take a bath and she came in to tell me that she read the sex and conversation again. And at that point I was a little upset because we just had a conversation about it. Right. I did say I felt weird about it, but you know, I wasn't going to get mad and, you know, cause a whole fuss about it, but just, you know, I felt weird. And that was that. But I think I was more upset that she came in and kind of interrupted my personal alone time to unburden herself with her guilt. And she's obviously having a lot of questions about our relationship. And I feel like I'm being tested almost by her doing these things and asking these questions and then being surprised by my response that I've changed, you know, since two years ago when we started dating. I don't really know how to move forward. The other time I tried to talk about it, she kind of brushed it off. So I don't know if you have any advice. I'm not convinced your girlfriend was trying to unburden herself by initiating both of these conversations uh, with this sex messaging conversation she'd had with someone else a couple of years ago. Uh, twice. She initiated that conversation twice. I, uh, I don't think freeing herself from the guilt is what she was trying to do. She was obviously wanting to talk about this and was using these old sex messages as the jumping off point. And you thought the conversation was over and obviously she wasn't done having this conversation yet. And so she came back into the room and perhaps out of a feeling of awkwardness, reinitiated the conversation with the same spark, the same inciting incident. And that annoyed you. Not so much that she wanted to have that conversation again, but that she was so impatient to continue having that conversation that she would interrupt your alone time in the bath. Okay, it's really good for, I think, monogamy to be opt-in. It's really good for that to be a conversation that a couple, the longer they're together, can revisit. And seems to me, if I may, you know, armchair psychoanalyze your girlfriend, seems really clear that she was, I don't want to say weaponizing, instrumentalizing that old sex conversation so that you guys could have this discussion again about whether or not you're going to be monogamous. It could also be that this is an opportunity that she passed on a couple of years ago because you wanted monogamy and she was willing to be monogamous, if that was the price of admission, to be with you. And she was perhaps seeking your okay to pursue not this other woman as a girlfriend, potentially. You've made it clear you don't want other girlfriends, you don't want sister wives, but as a potential hookup, one-off, friend with benefits. Obviously, she's not, obviously, I keep saying obviously, I apologize, it's obviously annoying if I say obviously all the time. She's gonna keep bringing this up, or she brought this up not randomly. You know, she brought up the text messages, read them to you in what seemed like playful. She was shipping that under something playful. And then you had this deeper conversation, which is probably the conversations she wanted to have. And then she bursts back in when you're trying to take a bath and enjoy some alone time to tell you that she just reread it. Yeah. I, you know, if a boyfriend or husband did something similar, not that it would annoy me, I, I would not be annoyed by that. I would think, Oh yeah. Like clearly you're thinking about that guy and you wished you'd gotten with that guy then. And so I think your girlfriend wishes she'd gotten with her 
then, it wasn't okay with you then, if it's okay with you now, maybe you go to her and say that. Look, you want to hook up with that girl? Is that why you keep bringing this up? Hook up with that girl. But of course, if it's not okay with you to hook up, for her to hook up with that girl, then obviously, 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 you shouldn't go in there and tell her it's okay. I think you're not done, or at least your girlfriend's not done, having this conversation. And so go have it, go initiate that conversation yourself or brace yourself for the third time. She starts reading aloud from these sex messages, these old sex messages to you. Hey Dan, Magnum subscriber, 41 year old cis East Coast city person calling about another. One of my best friends has been dating a man for a year and she's been really happy. She has shared that he was a recovering sex addict in a 12 step program working on problems with cheating. She's a monogamist and needs to be in a mono relationship. To me, someone with his history needs to just understand who he is and not fuck up everyone's lives all the time by entering any mono commitments. I didn't want to entirely project my pro non-monogamy attraction to super honest and communicative people onto her life, so made sure to kind of shut up about that opinion after it was known and kind of obvious. Regardless, I do call bullshit on sex addiction cover-ups for people who weave elaborate lies actively destroying other people's lives. He relapsed in the winter and they stopped talking for a minute while he got help. She's been really happy in the relationship since and I've met the guy a couple times, liked him, thought she seemed so much herself with him and was into it. Fast forward to last night, I opened Facebook, saw a photo of a lovely acquaintance friend of mine with a photo I was hoping to hell was with his doppelganger, captioned, with my man. My heart sank and I needed to verify it was him before I broke my friend's heart. I texted this pal, who's your sweetheart? Hoping she'd say Joe, and I'd be like, cute photo of you and Joe. But of course she gave my friend's mono partner's name. I had to be the person who broke my friend's heart. She's fucked up about it, of course, and it's fresh. The other pal unsolicitedly told me that they too were in a supposedly mono partnership, taking trips together, this kind of stuff. And the timeline is the exact same this whole past year as my friends. She shared with me verbatim what my friend has told me. He has said, you're the first person I've ever been with where I don't want to be with anyone else. Dan, I don't want to pile on her pain and it's not my place to tell people what to do. Both me and her housemate have made it clear we think she needs to stop talking with him. I've known her for almost 20 years and am looking out for her knowing what I think she needs to feel happy. When I asked her how a, a chat with a trusted friend of hers went today, she responded saying she's not yet in the position to make a decision about the dude. I told her I don't want to pile it on while she is just putting one foot in front of the other, but that maybe I can share a couple bits that may help her calculate. She didn't want to hear things the other person told me. Understandable while she is still trying to feel functional, but she said stopping talking with him for the time being is the next step. How do I tell her that she needs to stop talking to him as this step? And do I have more of a moral obligation to share that he was conducting two simultaneous bullshit mono relationships with the same script or to her desires to not hear what the other person had to say? You should tell your friend, look, you cannot hear it. You cannot listen to the things that I have to tell you, things that I think you should know. Or you can complain to me about your relationship, but not both. Look, this guy's an asshole. I think your friend should stop talking with him 
if only because he was so clearly trying to manipulate her. Oh, I am the victim. I am a sex addict. Oh, oh, I am a victim of my very own dick. No, no, sex addiction ain't really a thing. This guy is an asshole and a player, as they used to say, and a scumbag. Not that your friend can't be with and be the primary partner or the concurrent partner of a lying, manipulative asshole who's attempting to leverage women's sympathies by claiming to be a, a sex addict so that, you know, when he relapses, it's not a choice he made to do something with his dick. It was, you know, he was defenseless in the base of this powerful chemical addiction he has to fucking around. Ugh. Yeah, obviously I'm frustrated with this guy. Fuck this guy. But if your friend wants to be with him, you know, she could construct a rationalization, a narrative. She could change her position on monogamy and be in an open or polyamorous relationship with this guy. But you know what? Even that's not going to work because he's not interested in an honest, open, ethically non-monogamous relationship. On some level, someone who plays these kinds of games gets off on the deceit on the risk he's taking, not with and for himself and you know, not the risk he's running of getting hurt himself, but the risk he's putting other people in of being terribly, terribly hurt by him. That not a bug that is a, the feature, not a feature, that is the feature. Where your friend is right now, the pain she's in right now, intentionally inflicted. That's where he wanted her eventually all along. He manipulated her into this position. He threw her into the bathtub full of razor blades knowingly and on purpose, not because he's an addict and he's so sorry and he had a erection relapse that lasted the entirety of the time they've been together in this relationship, but because he is an asshole. And she should stop talking to him and stop fucking him and stop dating him and block him on all the social media platforms and block his number too. Maybe if your friend doesn't want to hear it from you, she would be open to conversing with your friend, not a mutual friend, a friend of yours who also happened to be dating this guy. Maybe you could share that person's phone number with your friend, of course, with that person's consent. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything. Your products, content you create, even your time. Here are just a few of the many features you'll get access to. Appointment scheduling. If your business requires booking and scheduling, Squarespace has the feature for you. Clients can easily see your availability or reschedule if needed, taking the hassle out of coordinating calendars. Email campaigns. You can stand out in any inbox with Squarespace. Collect email subscribers and convert them into loyal customers. Start with an email template and customize it by applying your spicy sauce ingredients like site colors and logo, maybe jokes... Built-in analytics measure the impact of every send. And speaking of analytics, it's time to get serious. Learn where your site visits and sales are coming from and analyze which channels are most effective. 
Improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on your top keywords or most popular products and content. Were you planning on programming all this yourself? No way you weren't. Squarespace has got you. Head on over to squarespace.com savage for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code savage to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com savage and use the offer code savage. Hi, Dan. I'm a cis woman in a relationship with a cis man. We've been together for eight years. Sex is fantastic, mostly because we prioritize connection and play and pleasure rather than penetration or orgasms, though we have plenty of both. My partner lasts a long time and only really comes inside me about a third of the time, or he comes with his own hand, like after throughout like we do lots of different activities throughout sex and then that's often how he finishes or uh some of the time he doesn't finish at all and that's also fine so about half of the time that we do p and v sex uh he outlasts both my own orgasm and the lube which means that we stop things inside of me and he will finish outside of me or not at all and all of this is great except that we've decided that we want to have a kid we want to conceive it like you know with sex that includes him coming inside of me and I'm worried that the emphasis on that specific thing is going to put so much pressure on him and on that specific kind of sex that it's instantly going to become less fun and less possible because the added pressure makes it harder so I am looking for suggestions on either how to like really eroticize this and make it much more playful or perhaps like maybe some technical advice about either trying to get lube to last longer or like, I don't know, thinking about how to get his cum inside of me in a different way (laughs) or I don't know, is this just inevitably going to get weird and annoying? Is subpar sex just an inevitable sacrifice of trying to conceive? I think the longer it takes you to conceive, the greater the risk of subpar sex becomes. You know, at first you're trying to conceive, and not that I have any personal experience in this, but talking to my friends in opposite sex relationships who wanted to conceive, first you're excited about this adventure. You've, you know, thrown away the condom, stopped taking the pill. You're going to try to make a baby, and just that is exciting. And then, you know, if it takes a while, it does become a bit of a chore. How do you push back against that? Well, I think you keep the sex fun. You try to keep the sex playful. You also accept that sometimes, you know, you're going to be ovulating. It's going to be the right time for you to have some hot, sticky spunk blown inside you. And he's going to have to come through. You say that about a third of the time he doesn't come. Uh, Lube gets tacky. And and what do you do uh, to make lube last longer? You reapply the lube. You also experiment with different kinds of lube, but reapply it. You can put more on. It's not like you get one shot with the lube and then you're literally stuck. You can pull his dick out, not even all the way out. You can pull it part of the way out and drizzle lube on it like catch up on a hot dog at a hot dog stand and he can push it back in dry tacky lube problem solved and about a one third of the time you say he doesn't come 
Well, if he can reliably finish himself those times when, you know, you're done, you're done being fucked or the, you know, even reapplying the lube isn't going to make you want to continue on with the PIV. If he can jack off, if he can get himself to the point of orgasmic, say it with me, everybody, orgasmic inevitability. I love that expression. He can get himself there. And then at the very last second, as he's beginning to have his orgasm, push back, not push back, hopefully be welcomed back inside you and get that semen as close to your egg or eggs, you never know, as possible. And as for keeping it fun, well, what turns you guys on? Does orgasm control turn you on? Is he a little bit of a sub? Can you order him around? Can you tell him when he needs to come through? I answered a question very similar to this in the column recently, and I suggested cum control, that if you're not ovulating, then he doesn't get to come. Some people who know better about conception pointed out that, you know, you want the freshest possible semen. You don't want sperm cells that have been lingering in his balls for too long. So not letting him come for two or three weeks until you're ovulating, not the greatest idea. So you can have him clearing the pipes. You can be ordering him to come and only letting him come inside you when you want him to come inside you. You can play with that kind of power and control. If he's aroused by the idea of impregnation, of putting his seed in you, you can incorporate that into dirty talk. You ask for other ways to get that come inside you. You can do it the way the lesbians used to do it with the Dixie cups and the turkey basters. He's going to have a wank or if you're not feeling like sex, but you'd like to not see that sperm go to waste. Or even if you just want to like role play as dykes while you're having sex intended for conception and keep it outer coursey. Both of you, you using a vibrator, him using his own right hand or an insertion toy designed for his dick to be inserted into and at the very last minute into the turkey baster and then into you. You can get creative. Except though, that it might become a little bit of a chore and that's okay. And just because sex becomes a chore while the goal is conception doesn't mean sex will be a chore post-conception. Do you order from DoorDash but wish you didn't have to pay delivery fees? Well, now you don't. During summer of Dash Pass, you can save money and enjoy new members-only offers every week on top of a $0, that's zero, zero delivery fee all year round. Say hello to summer savings during the summer of Dash Pass from DoorDash. With $0 delivery fees, exclusive items, and more than 25,000 members-only offers nationwide, Dash Pass by DoorDash has everything you need to make your summer just a little easier. With your Dash Pass by DoorDash membership, you can save an average of 4 to $5 on every order you place for delivery or pickup. That means on average, Dash Pass pays for itself when you order just twice a month. With members-only offers and items dropping every week, you'll have everything you need to make the most out of summer right at your fingertips, and you will save money. And my listeners save more. My listeners get 50% off your first order up to $15 of value. Use promo code SAVAGE at checkout when you spend $12 or more. That's 50% off your first order up to $15 value when you sign up for DoorDash during Summer of Dash Pass using promo code SAVAGE. Don't forget, let them know the Lovecast sent you the code SAVAGE for 50% off your first order up to $15 value. Dash Pass benefits only on eligible orders that meet the minimum subtotal terms apply. 
Hey, Dan. So I have a very good friend who was in my wedding, and we know from our 20s. She and I had a really good time when we were younger, and then we got older. I moved back to the States. I got married, had a couple kids. She got married, had a couple kids. And I know that she has a history of pretty traumatic childhood stuff. She had a lot of sexual abuse. And the French guy who she married is loving and wonderful. And I thought it was all good. But in the past years, my friend has just kind of fallen into very, very serious alcoholism. And when she was pregnant, she was sober. So for, you know, the year she was having her kids, she was pretty sober. And as she's gotten more overwhelmed she's just drunk all the time and she lives really really far away and I've you know I had a conversation with her and I've sent some letters and the last time I saw her was at a mutual friend's wedding pre-pandemic and her husband just didn't seem to care that she was falling down and everyone else was just kind of horrified because she was a wreck and it was a wedding and everyone was drunk right but like she was beyond beyond And so a mutual friend of ours saw her last week and then texted and called me and said, something's really wrong. She's so drunk. What do we do? What do I say? And I I had to say to him, like, I've said everything. I don't know what to do. And the worst case scenario would be, I guess, her husband leaves her and takes the kids. But if she's that drunk, maybe her husband should leave her and take the kids. I I don't know. But then all I have, all these kind of like flashbacks of her husband just not caring at that wedding. And so maybe it's this abusive relationship all over again. So my question for you is, do I say something to her again, even though I've said things and she kind of brushes me off or do I let it go? Should I reach out to her husband who I'm friends with? I've known for years, but I'm not super close with. I don't want to put a bomb in her life, right? Because she lives very far away and she's just wholly dependent on this guy. But at the same time, I really care about her, and I think about her, and she calls all the time, and I don't see the call anymore because she's always blackout drunk when she calls. You can't know what's going on in your friend's marriage. You say that you were at a wedding, and your friend was falling down drunk, and her husband didn't seem to notice or didn't seem concerned. Possible he didn't notice. Possible he doesn't give a flying fuck. Also possible that he is screaming and yelling and begging her to stop abusing alcohol privately, but didn't do that at the wedding, didn't turn someone else's wedding into the intervention that his wife so clearly needs. Seems to me that you've already lost your friend to alcohol abuse, and so you risk nothing reaching out to the husband, you risk nothing reaching out to her. If you can afford it, you risk nothing getting on an airplane and flying to where she is and linking arms with her husband and staging and participating in an intervention to try to get her into rehab, to try to get her to see that she needs help. You know, people who are alcoholics hit bottom and eventually realize they're going to have to stop drinking or they're going to die. You say that your friend and her husband have a couple of kids. I'm concerned for those kids. Is she, if she's blackout drunk all the time, able to parent? Is she a danger 
to her own children. Again, you risk nothing. It sounds like the relationship is already drowned. It's already dead. It's already been swept away uh, with an ocean of alcohol. And so the relationship really isn't at stake here. It's your conscience that's at stake here. If you don't say something, if you don't say more than you've already said, if you hesitate to reach out to the husband and say, look, everybody sees this. You must see this too. What are you doing about this? How can I help? Is there something that I can do from here to help you? And I feel you. I feel your pain, that helpless feeling as you stand there and watch someone you love drink themselves to death. She's an adult. She can make her own choices. Hopefully her husband is going to stand by and do nothing if she's making choices that endanger their children. But you have to say your piece. And that's all you can do. And once you've said your piece, once you've screamed, yelled, intervened, it's out of your hands. This episode is brought to you by Helix Sleep, the mattress me and my husband lay our weary heads on each and every night. We love our Helix mattress, and so will you. Helix Sleep is a premium mattress brand that provides tailored mattresses based on your unique sleep preferences. The Helix lineup includes 14 unique mattresses, including a collection of luxury models, a mattress for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids. So how will you know which Helix mattress is the right one for you and your body? Take the Helix Sleep Quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. Then your personalized mattress is shipped right to your door free of charge, and they offer a 100-night risk-free trial. Try out your new Helix mattress to see how your body adjusts, and if you decide it's not the best fit, you're welcome to return it for a full refund. Everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. We got, at our place, a midnight luxe model with medium firmness because we tend to move around a lot at night. And again, Helix has mattresses with cooling technology that helps your body regulate your temperature, whatever the season. So Helix, right now, during this heat wave we just had, a godsend. Not only is the mattress the best I've ever slept on, but the setup was fast and easy. Helix mattresses delivered in a box straight to your door for free plus Helix mattresses are American-made and come with a 10- or 15-year warranty, depending on the model. And remember, you get to try it out for 100 nights, risk-free. If you don't love it, but I kind of think you will, but if you don't, for some reason, they will pick it up and give you a full refund. And right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows to Savage Lovecast listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash savage get with helix like we got with helix because with helix better sleep and cooler sleep starts now hey dan nancy and the tech savvy at risk youth i'm a queer man 30 years old single currently and dating ish i have a question i have a weird situation so about five six years ago i had a hook up with this guy and a few sort of dates he's a friend of some of my friends and he used to work in the um, city where I used to live in at the time 
He's just a really great guy. And he basically, we had a hookup in the sense that we had an amazing tantra session. He gave me one of the best massages I have had in my whole entire life. And that was the best non-penetrative sex I have had in my whole entire life. So mind-blowingly amazing that my whole entire life after that sexual encounter, I'm comparing every other sexual encounter to that sexual encounter. Basically, he's a great guy. He's really smart. He's like everything I'm looking for in a guy. Super sensitive. It's just fucking dreamboat. After we hooked up, I did sort of like cross my mind to ask him, like, are you dating anyone? Like, are you single? He said he's in a relationship. I was like, uh, like, exclusive. He said yes. I said, well, what would what did we just do? He said, well, it wasn't penetration, so technically it was not cheating. I'm like, okay, so. Some of my friends told me this, that he goes out of his way to comfort me in social situations. Like he, he stands up and gives me his seat. He wants to give me his seat. And I didn't even notice that at one point. And then he, I don't know, he's just, he talks about me in really great ways and how he admires me and likes me. And and I admire and like him too. But I'm just not so vocal about it because I want to respect and honor the relationship that they have and so now he's in the city where i'm at right now in different city different country everything he's there with his partner and he wants me like we went for dinner last night and i just feel like there's a heavy burden laying in my heart that i want to tell him and i know the answer but still it's hard and i don't know what to do not cheating on a technicality doesn't sound like dreamboat behavior to me. Now, maybe he has an agreement with his primary partner, this guy that you've had this crush on for such a long time, that you've been infatuated with for such a long time. Maybe he has an agreement, an explicit agreement with his partner that non-penetrative sex isn't cheating. And so technically, it may be a sexual experience, what you two shared, but it's not cheating by the rules laid down in his relationship with his partner, who he presumably cares about. But if he's running around doing things that he wouldn't want his partner to know about, tiptoeing up to the line, cheating, but technically not cheating, rationalizing what his partner would regard as cheating or as an infidelity, if it wasn't cheating, if his partner was fine with it, then his partner could know about it. Basically, if his partner walked into the room and saw you and him doing whatever it was, the tantra stuff that you and he did, would his partner be upset? And if the answer is yes, then technically, I would think that was cheating and I would not, you know, maybe I could have a crush on somebody who was engaged in the kinds of rationalizations that he's engaged in, but it would be, I don't know, it would be a hole in the dreamboat below the waterline or right at the waterline. It would be potentially a problem. All right. Well, what do you do? Well, I think you tell him how you feel. You tell him that, you know, obviously there's something between you two. You'd love to be brought in out of the cold, you were, you know, the first thing you asked him when he told you he's in a relationship was, are you exclusive? So there's a world in which you would totally be down from the very first moment that you guys talked after that very first tantric massage, you would be down to be his other boyfriend, 
maybe you would be. I don't know what you think of his primary partner, maybe or his partner, not primary partner. He's not open, not an open relationship. Maybe you'd be up for dating both of them, but you want more than he is willing or able to give you. And I think getting a definitive answer from him, even if that answer is no, and it's not possible, and I'm not going to renegotiate things with my partner. I can't, he would never agree. Or I asked recently and he's art. He said no again, or he, they don't want to be poly. They don't want to be open. And he's not willing to leave his partner for you to date you. If you and he together in some way, in any way is just not ever gonna be a possibility as painful as it would be for you to hear that. I think it would be helpful for you to hear that because right now, all these years, however long it's been, you've been kind of living in hope and enjoying whatever it is, the connection that you two have. He's constantly wanting to give you his seat with the understanding that you won't penetrate it. I don't think he's maliciously stringing you along. He may feel like he's just being nice and kind and affectionate with somebody that he liked and had a great experience with. But if those gestures of affection from him are preventing you from moving on or preventing you from really ever getting past him, then it's a problem. And if he knows, and sometimes people do know that that's the effect that their, you know, affections are having on someone that they can't be with who wants to be with them, that it causes them to carry a torch eternally. Some people like to see guys carrying torches for them. Some people like to see lots of guys, torchlight parades of guys carrying torches for them. And that is another thing. If that's indeed what it is he's doing here, that would be another hole in the dreamboat right at the water line in my Opinion, But that may not be what he's doing here. He may not be acting selfishly or maliciously by teasing you, by causing you to carry that fucking torch. But if you know, if you hear from his own lips that it's impossible, that you guys could never be together, and you haven't done this crazy tantra massage thing ever again either, I think that would be helpful. So yeah, go and tell him. And brace yourself, because you're probably not going to get the answer that you want. But I think it may be the answer you need. It may be what you need to hear, so that you can extinguish that torch and go find some other guys. There are other guys out there who do that tantra massage woohoo stuff and have the six-hour orgasms. He's not the only guy in the world with that particular skill set that blew your mind. If you weren't so obsessed with him, that energy, the energy that's fueling your obsession with him, you could plow that energy into finding other guys with that same skill set that you can have mind-blowing sexual experiences with that won't cause you to forget this guy, but will help you get over this guy. All right, before we get to this week's listener response calls, let's read some listener tweets. Breezy Carter tweets, hubby likes shoving soft-boiled eggs up my vagina. I can hold three, and then I squat down and lay the eggs like a hen, and hubby eats them, coated with my juices. Smile emoji. Savage Lovecast listener T.O. Hedonist tagged me into the conversation asking what would at fake Dan Savage say? Well, at fake Dan Savage would say, don't put food 
in your vagina. I would also say don't use insertable sex toys that do not have flared bases. But if you're going to put eggs in your vagina and you have the kind of control that you can push one out on command or on cue or the kind of control where you can push a cue ball out on cue, I've seen that. I would use, if you're going to go with eggs, hard-boiled eggs for that, not soft-boiled eggs. You want fully cooked eggs, no runny yolks, less risk of salmonella poisoning just to be on the safe side. Of course, insertables designed to be used as insertable sex toys with flared bases. That is the safest side to be on. Rohan Anand tweets as a longtime Magnum sub listener, the Savage Lovecast. I am appreciative of at fake Dan Savage for regularly bringing on public health experts to discuss questions pertaining to monkeypox for all genders, sexual orientations, and expressions. Kudos. Thank you very much, Rohan. And I'd like to express my appreciation for all the public health experts who've come on the show to share their expertise regarding monkeypox with my listeners, Dr. Ina Park, Dr. Carlton Thomas, and health reporter Benjamin Ryan. Finally, Billy Presida of the Man Whore Podcast tweets, makes sense. I was so turned on by the January 6th hearings. Turns out they were using at fake Dan Savage's dirty talk advice. My dirty talk advice once more for self-conscious dirty talk beginners. Tell them what you're going to do. Tell them what you're doing. Tell them what you just did. I'm going to fuck the shit out of you. I am fucking the shit out of you. I fucked the shit out of you. So many people have such a hard time getting started with dirty talk. And if you just narrate the action, talk about what you're doing, it's actually surprisingly easy. All right. Thanks to everybody who tweeted about the show this week. Thanks to everybody who posted to your other social media platforms, to TikTok and Instagram and Facebook about the Savage Lovecast. We really appreciate how our listeners help spread the word about the show. And now let's get to those listener response calls. Hi, Dan. This is a response call to the caller in episode eight to five who is finding slightly too aggressive the dirty talk she's doing in her native tongue. I am also a polyamorous multilingual person. Uh, I am French and have two American partners. They are absolutely thrilled when I dirty talk in French to them. Uh, They don't understand it, so they're not finding it too aggressive. I'm the only one who can find it sometimes slightly too aggressive. I have been at some stage a bit uncomfortable by it too, but I've learned that It's only me who understands it anyways. And if it's coming out of me, it's because I want it. It's because I'm I'm having these thoughts and these words and I'm turned on by it. So I've learned to let go the uh, feeling of finding it too aggressive and embracing it, embracing the dirtiness of it, embracing how turned on I am by it. And yeah, it just, once you accept it, it's just so good and so enjoyable. So... Yeah, try to accept it, enjoy it. And if it's really, really a bother, then just don't do it. Hey, Dan, this is the caller from episode 825. I called in about my partner who wasn't able to come any longer. You were right about my marriage. I shouldn't have married a woman. Our sex life after our last child was non-existent. And that made her really miserable. And I feel horrible about it. You made me see that I made a wrong decision, but 30 years ago, it wasn't as easy to come out as it is today. My only consolation is I have three great kids that I love and I will cherish for the rest of my life. This is for the caller in episode 825 who um, was tempted to contact her abusive ex-husband's ex-girlfriend 
I agree with everything that Dan said. I very well could be the ex-girlfriend that you talked about. I don't think I am because I'm definitely not Facebook friends with him anymore, but the years and circumstances really line up. So I just wanted to tell you if it helps in any way. You're absolutely not crazy. He was probably awful to her too. That's probably just who he is. And you've done the right thing to leave. If you were to contact her, it might give her some sort of reassurance that she's not crazy. But what it also might do is re-traumatize her for something that she's trying to forget. So that's it. I hope that's somewhat validating. Good luck. You're better off without him. And we're going to leave it there. Got a question for next week's Lovecast or something to say about something I said on this week's Lovecast? Use the Voice Memo app on your phone to record your question or your comment and email it to us at voicemail at savagelovecast.com. You can also call us at 206-302-2064. The Hump 2022 Fall Tour kicks off September 10th in Ann Arbor, Michigan. We're also hosting a special encore screening of Hump 2022 in Seattle on that night. Then it's Pittsburgh's turn to get humped, followed by Cleveland, Minneapolis, Kansas City, Atlanta, Victoria, and Los Angeles. Hump 2022 is also streaming online. Go to humpfilmfest.com for tickets to a screening in a theater or for a link to a streaming show. And just a reminder for Magnum Subs, Sack Lunch, my monthly Zoom hangout for Magnum subscribers, is next Thursday, September 1st at noon Pacific. So mark your calendars and be on the lookout next Thursday morning for that Zoom link, and I will see you at Sack Lunch. Follow me on Twitter at Fake Dan Savage. Follow Catherine D on Twitter at default underscore friend. And follow the Tech Savvy at Risk Youth on Twitter at Lovecast, T-S-A-R-Y. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian. And me and the tech savvy at Risk Youth and Nancy, we'll be back at you next week for an installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thank you for telling me.